And David got that from a single conversation. I mean, a two, a three minute conversation. And my heart just like stopped. And I was just like, fucking soul stories. That's what I've been doing the whole time. And so say what you want about that process with David, criticize it all you want. But like that validation that somebody feeding that confidence back to me was just like, what am I doing? I've had this thing in front of me this whole time. I just, I need to go a hundred percent. Welcome back to another episode of the Loving Creative Podcast. I am your host, Kam Gachasa, and I'm so glad to have you back on the show. Thank you very much for listening. If you haven't left a review on iTunes yet, this is a good time to just pause and then go there, leave like a rating and a review. Let me know what you think. That would really help encourage me, first of all, and then increase the popularity of the podcast as much. And if you want to go a step further, you can always go to Patreon. I have a Patreon page. I have two patrons there. You could be the third Patreon or the fourth Patreon and support me on this journey. I really want to do this for the rest of my life. And of course, by now, if you've heard the snippet, you know that I'm talking on this episode with Danny. Danny was present in the previous episode, but I was on his show. I was on the Soul Stories podcast, which I helped produce and engineer. And on this episode that you're about to listen to, I talked with Danny about a bunch of things about his life as a creative, really focusing on his journey when he started as an accidental poet to his year of mania and going through really difficult times as well as his job his job is really emotionally taxing you get a chance to listen to him as he describes what he does on a regular basis and he also gives some tips tips that i thought you would find really valuable things like how to deal with feedback how to find a way to create from joy how to how and how he's had support on his journey it was an all-round enjoyable conversation for both of us i got a lot of lessons that i learned from it and i feel that it's a great opportunity for you to delve into the life of a creative somebody who has a full-time job and then still works on his dreams on the side in the evening so without much ado let's get into the episode with danny mazer of soul stories danny hi welcome to the loving creative podcast thanks for having me you're welcome i mean um I'm putting on my own podcast suit right now to do the thing that you did to me. It's like, I was on your podcast, now you're on my podcast. It's like, I mean, you. I was on our podcast and now <laughs> I am on your podcast. Yeah, so. I am not on your podcast. <laughs> I am not your engineer. All right. How do we meet? I think I still remember vividly the night, the first night at the open mic, the Whittier Cafe, Stained Arts. And then I think I shared some really boring poems that day. But one thing that stuck out for me was how much you carried the room and the energy and you and Delia. Is it Delia or Dahlia? I keep making... Delia. 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 Delia de, de la Jeunesse. Wait, no, la Jeunesse. Delia la Jeunesse. Yes, of Stain Art. So we met, struck a chord, had coffee, and then before we realized we're now about to launch the first season of Soul Stories podcast. Mm-hmm. So... For the two people who have no idea who you are, could you tell us a little bit about Danny Mazur? Yeah. What do you want to know about Danny Mazur? I want to know what brought Danny into the world of creativity, how mm. his journey has been from the start, from the first idea that he ever had to leave from his brain to the world to now carrying things like soul stories and organizing events like Unpacked and all these wonderful, vulnerable storytelling events that bring people in community. I mean, 
I've listened to your podcast with Mike. I listened to your podcast with uh, Who Cares? The, your friend, what's her name again? Sloan. Yeah, Sloan. And I suppose if you want to learn more about you, I should just go there. But what about your creative life most people don't know? Well, I think something interesting that a lot of people in Denver don't know is that I did not have any sense of creativity until I was like 19 or 20. Growing up, I was all sports. I was, I thought I was going to be a professional baseball player. I thought I was going to be a professional football player. I loved playing basketball. Um, and I didn't really even listen to music until I was like 13 or 14. So I, I have this weird story where I kind of feel like I was like, I'm like a born again creative, <laughs> you know, like a born again Christian. Yeah. Like there was part of me that fulfilled the sports journey. And then in college, I remember discovering poetry for the first time. And I remember just like falling in love with it. And then I would like smoke a bunch of weed and like write can I say that on this? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. So I would like smoke and then I would write. And I remember writing this like really depressing poem. It said something like the sun, the sun does not care if you cry. The moon does not care if you cry or something. It was like so sad. It was so like sad boy poetry, but I remember being like really proud of that. And, uh, I must've been 19 at the time, I think 19 or 20. Huh. And what I know with that particular aspect, when I put those pieces together, is like you've done a lot of traveling, both physically and, say, soul searchingly. Like, I attended even that unpack where you shared the story about consent, and that's a whole other part you can listen to on the Soul Stories podcast where you can actually get a version of it. And it feels like in your creative journey, you've had to travel a lot, like yes. mentally and physically. And could you trace that journey from when you started doing this sad quote unquote poems mm-hmm. to now doing this amazing event where you have people sitting in a room and sharing really vulnerable stories? Like what happened between a 19 year old sad poem writing Danny yeah. and the organizer Danny now? Yeah. So I went on service trips at that same time I was writing, started writing poetry and I went on service trips uh, across the country And I remember after one of them, we were like, hey, we're going to create a community where we do random acts of kindness together as college kids. And it was called Agape. And I always like to say that was my first version of Soul Stories. So What year was that? That was 2011 or 12, one of those years. And... I didn't put much effort into it. It was successful for a moment and then it bottomed out after a few months. But at that same time, I started writing poetry and also bringing people together. And so those were like kind of these outlets that were split off. And then I came to Denver and a big part of my story that I I usually lead with is that after college, you know, I had this, I thought I was going to be a professional youth worker. I thought I may be a teacher. I thought I may be a social worker or a therapist. There were like, those were my tracks that I was like, thought I was involved, going to be involved in. And so I move over here to work with kids and I, 
right before it, I was like, you know what? Like, I know deep in my heart that I want to be like an entrepreneur or I want to be a creator. I want to create something. And like, I kind of always knew that. It was always like eating at me. And so I was writing a lot of poems at the time. Not sure. Like, I thought I might create something to help kids. I move over here. My mom overdoses on painkillers. And so I'm like totally distraught. And then I'm working 50 hours a week in schools. I'm like drinking and smoking, trying to get with women, distracting myself as much as I possibly can. My friend comes down with a serious mental health disease. And I remember like this is like kind of a year of mania for me. Like I'm so out of my head and I'm so, I'm so like, what are like moment to moment, impulse to impulse. I'm not even really centered. I remember going to bed and writing poetry and like writing about my brain feeling like it was like cooking in an oven was a metaphor I used in one of my poems because it was so intensely anxious and depressed and scared. And at the same time, I'm like, I need to create something like I need, like, what is it? This is actually something I've never told anybody before is that at the same time that this is happening, I'm having this incredible impulse. And by incredible, I just mean like an intense impulse to like, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna create? I just need to create something. Like it was just like, kind of like rushing through me. Like I just needed to do something. I was like, and every day would be different. I'm like, I'll write a book of poetry. I'm gonna publish a book of poetry. Uh, and the next day it would be like, I'm gonna create a youth program that works with kids in inner cities to do like to play basketball you know whatever and they'd be all very different and I remember like watching a lot of videos of Kanye West and like seeing his like entrepreneurial drive and like all that and being really inspired and then like we would me and my roommate would have these crazy feeling manic moments where we're just like what are we gonna do what are we gonna do what are we gonna create and it was just so much and then one day it all just was like, and this is the story I tell is like everything just fell out of me. It was like just unloading all of this like shit out of my mouth it was like, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. It was like all this vulnerability and all this honesty that I wasn't connecting with my roommate over. And we like actually felt a connection. It wasn't oversharing wasn't overloading. It wasn't gaslighting as Brene Brown puts it, but it was like truly being vulnerable and connecting. And then that connected with my creative impulse. And it was like, Oh shit, let's create a community where we can do this. And at this point I still would not have the courage to say I was a creative, but I did start a community at that point where people talked. Man, that is deep. <laughs> I like it's I I couldn't I was holding my breath. I was like, all right, let me get all this in because I feel like you've been through a lot in and it looks like in a short span of time, like things happening with mom, not knowing what you want to do, having to deal with work and like I heard in another podcast, like using alcohol as a way of coping. It's like, all right, any courage to do this thing and everybody around me is doing it, so I'll just do it. Mm-hmm. And the the thing I'm hoping to achieve with this podcast, which is the reason why I was talking with Queenie today, she was asking me, like, oh, why didn't you talk to this particular people about the podcast? Or why are you talking with these people about the podcast? And I was like, 
I feel like a lot of creativity comes from a place of pain. Like that's a general narrative. It's like you have to be an addict or an alcoholic or lose someone. Like to create, you need to have pain. Mm. And I don't want to believe that it's true. Yeah. I don't know what you think about that because from what you're saying, the pain that you had wasn't necessarily coming from a place of I want to create. It was like it was a reverse. So because you wanted to create, then other things, not even creativity, pain came around. Like things happening to people you care about and just the desire to have purpose and a mission in life. Do you think it's possible to have or that it could have been possible for you to get to this creative conclusion? Like, let me make this community, let me do this without the pain that you had. No. But I don't think that that means creativity comes from pain. So do you want me to respond to both of those things? Yeah, sure. I would say the creative drive for me started from a deep place. Like it, w- The creative drive was always there, and it was parallel processing to the pain. The pain just happened to be a good inspiration for the creativity. And this is happening, I think, one of, one of my friends who's a good musician, who I won't name because I don't want to speak for them. But I think what when I was creating from a place of pain, it was a really – it wasn't selfish, but it was feeling selfish. Like I remember telling my friend while Soul Stories was starting to like bubble up for the first time, probably like four years ago. I remember me and her were like going to like lay down and cuddle or something. And I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm the only reason I'm doing this is for peace of mind. And it was like me looking back at that was like, I thought at one point Soul Stories was going to save me which I think some people might think that about creativity. And what I think is most problematic about that is it it's limiting. It like, I don't think, I think creating from pain can be very productive and inspiring, but I think it can get you stuck in a, in a, a loop. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do, do you have any like vivid memory of how you experience this kind of, what you're talking about? Like, how creating from pain can get you stuck. Did you have any, maybe a, an event or a piece of poetry or something that you were trying to create and you found that it was because of the pain that it, w- it didn't go through? Yeah, I think it was the people I was attracting. You know, I think energies attract energies. And when I was creating soul stories at the beginning, it was like I would, I would for a two-hour event, I would sit in my apartment by myself for hours and hours and like be writing these lyrics from songs and like exploring every way to facilitate the experience. And I would be overthinking and, and like miserable and like, but I would create something really beautiful and that kept happening. Right. Like I kept creating something beautiful, every event, every event, every event. And then the people I was working with, I think were also coming from a deep place of pain as well. Um, and it led to some, it led to conflict. It led to my ego getting in the way. It led to me being so attached to this product that I was like afraid to let go of control because if it was saving me and people were taking control of it, then they were like, they were taking away part of me. Mm. I was so deeply entrenched in the my own creative process. Um, and so then I, to answer your question like i don't think 
soul stories could have expanded past bi-weekly groups like it was the same bi-weekly meeting um because it was because it was like almost like a process therapy group right and after i went through like a few years of like on and off healing and a lot of tumultuous experiences where i feel i'm not healed but i feel like i'm on the other side of pain like i'm creating from a place of joy and now when i'm creating from a place of joy like I'm actually not the one creating anymore, which is interesting. I'm the one creating the space. Like before I was creating everything and now I'm creating the space and people are coming in. And now that I'm detached from it, it is its own thing. Because I think the creative process with soul stories is soul stories. Isn't me. It is, it is its own entity. It exists in the ether. It's a spiritual thing to me. It exists outside of me. And when I'm holding it and coddling it, it's not expanding. But when I'm like, when I'm its guide, then other people can guide it too. And so now we're creating like community projects, like Unpacked, a creative dialogue and consent, which you referenced, was Hannah's leading. And where she was coming from, maybe a place of pain. I'm not sure if I could really speak to that. But like I got, I was able to help guide that process for her to lead and use all of my experience. And then we created this fucking huge event with nine incredible artistic performers where everybody felt like they were co-creating together. And it was such a, it was a experience that could be shared rather than an experience that like I was sharing just from myself. We were all taking pieces of the pie. It wasn't my pie to give to other people, you know? Yeah, I mean, I was in the room and I I experienced it. Like every single person who came up was unique, had a story that really hit hard. Like on on the drive back after the the event, I was telling you like everybody, including you who shared your story, had a moment of truth where I was like, oh, it's funny. And then the truth just hits you like, oh, wait, they didn't just say that. Like, (laughs) yeah, it was every story had a moment where you, I feel like every single person in the audience was faced with the truth, either personally or at the, higher level was like oh shit this is real like this this, because i remember hannah saying very specifically that she wanted real stories like not no fiction like it's a place for fiction it's a place for poetry but she wanted stories from people who actually experienced like that's what made it so different like these are real stories and right it's not a metaphor exactly which which makes it when i was sitting there i was wondering the whole time like could i take this to cameroon like imagine people sharing their stories in an honest you know, vulnerable, consensual environment. And one thing that I was thinking about ever since the event actually was now that we've talked about soul stories and it seems like if anybody's listening, you think that that's all you do. Like you only do soul stories and that's your whole life, which is... I wish. <laughs> <laughs> which is like, because soul stories is like, it's it's your love. Is this it is ether, it is a spiritual creation that doesn't exactly bring in any money. No, like, it hasn't it, ever. It hasn't. And you have a full-time job working in a traumatic environment. That's how I actually call it. Like it's a very it is a traumatic yeah, it's environment. It's like Die Hard, the psychological version of Die Hard on a <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> so, how are you able I'm tell my coworkers? <laughs> how are you able to do both? Because sometimes I feel personally that I can't have a life, like have a job and then create. But you are able to do soul stories 
on the side, which is not really on the side. It's like side by side. It's not a side hustle. It's like a full-time, 2x full-time. Yeah. How are you able to run Soul Stories? I mean, part of, you already give part of the answer, which is it's not just about you anymore. Like you create a space and then other people run it. Like Hannah run the Unpack, the uh, dialogue on, create, on creative consent. On creative consent. Or uh, creative dialogue on consent. Yes. So how are you now able to do both of these things? Your creative, creating from a place of joy, creating this community events and having a job that takes so much. First of all, start by describing your job and then how it ties in with everything else. Yeah. So I work with kids who've been through trauma and abuse at the Denver Children's Home. Um, and yeah, they live there. They go there to get therapy. They there they go there to get treatment. And I'm responsible for helping calm them down in moments of crisis and uh, supervise the counselors who directly work with them. And then what was the second question? The second question was, how are you able to do such a stress-intense job and have space for community involvement in form of soul stories? Yeah, um, that's a really good question because I've been doing them side by side for many years now. And for the last three years, I was in a place of waves. So soul stories would go up, I'd be so on a high about it and then it would drop deep into a low and i'd be like is this even making an impact does this matter like i'm gonna quit i like almost quit three times i actually quit once i quit for six months like it didn't feel right and then um there i you know honestly after I was able to receive healing or during I was like receiving a really cool form of therapy. I started to really like be like, well, what am I doing? Like I, I was tested. I failed. I was tested again. I failed. Like I did, I was succeeded really early. And then there were a couple tumultuous years. So I don't want to make it sound too romantic. It was pretty rough patch all the way through. And then it wasn't till this last year where um, do you want to hear a story? Yeah, sure. Um, so my therapist, um, Jenny, does this experimental form of therapy um, alongside uh, a tested form of therapy called muscle testing, if anyone's ever heard of that. And so this form of therapy was discovered by this guy, David. And so I was going through healing for relationships. And Jenny was like, do you want to go through healing for a career? And like, at this point I was like, yeah, I'm doing soul stories, but I don't know if I really want to do this or not. Um, and, um, I thought I might like have to give it up to become a therapist. And so we, we start to do this healing on career. We go through this process and towards the end of it, she goes, da David does this thing. And it sounds crazy as hell, but he does this thing where he tells people you're calling and so he has told what he does is he listens to you and based on how you how what you talk about he will tell you if you're speaking from your truth and so he's done this for like 50 people and like most people afterwards go well fuck you david you don't tell me what like i want and then they they left so he stopped doing it because he's like look guys i don't care this isn't about me I found this is a cool skill I have. I will help you for free. 
Um, and if you're going to provide so much resistance, I'm just going to continue to do my regular work. It's just a, it's just like a fun extra thing. And so then my friend Jackson does it and David tells him this, he breaks down crying. Um, within months, Jackson was very involved with stained Jackson applies to get his master's. He's getting his, he was completely lost when I first met him, applies to get his master's, gets in, moves to a different state. And after he moves to a different state, he meets a girlfriend he's in love with. He like from David's session, he's like on this track. So I'm talking to Chelsea, Jenny offers this thing with David and I'm just like, uh, yeah, why not? Like, what's the worst that can happen? He tells me something I don't want to do and I don't do it. You know what I mean? So do you want to hear the process of this? Yes. So I sit, I sit down over Skype with David and Jenny had told me, she goes, it's usually the thing that you're hiding from yourself. Who's Jenny? Jenny's my therapist. Okay. She tells me like your calling is usually the thing you're hiding from yourself that you don't want to admit. And so I was like, oh, well, it's definitely not soul stories. It's being a therapist. That's what I've always wanted to do, et cetera, et cetera. So David sits down with me and he goes, okay, so uh, Danny, what do you want to do? And I go, I want to be a therapist. He goes, no. And I'm just like, the fuck? (laughs) 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 Okay. And then I'm like, "Uh, to be a facilitator? He goes, no and i'm like uh to be an entrepreneur and he goes okay and what does being an entrepreneur mean to you and i was like and this is going to be embarrassing to say on a podcast as much as it's going to be embarrassing to say to david but i was like i want to create something the world has never seen before and he goes okay what do you want to create and i was like ah and then it just like kind of popped out of my head and i was just like Uh, a way to be seen and he goes okay that's it and i'm like what like it was literally that long conga it was like two minutes and 30 seconds and i was like what what and he's like to your calling is to create a way for people to be seen and david got that from a single conversation i mean a two a three minute conversation and my heart just like stopped and i was just like fucking soul stories that's what i've been doing the whole time and so say what you want about that process with david criticize it all you want but like that validation that somebody feeding that confidence back to me was just like what am i doing i've had this thing in front of me this whole time i just i need to go a hundred percent like a hundred so hard that I'm not thinking about anything else and that no matter what my day job feels like, no matter how hard it feels that like, I know this is what I want. And then, then it goes back to those stories you hear from the people who really like do the thing people thought they couldn't do, which is like making those sacrifices. So now, now doing this day job that is somewhat emotionally um, taxing isn't that bad because I know at the end of the day, I'm going to go home, I'm going to work out, I'm going to eat and I'm going to spend the rest of the night or a couple hours or three hours or one hour on soul stories. And I'm going to spend my weekend on it because it fills me up. And I know 
I'm so focused on my vision that, and I think that takes practice. I think you just have to learn to focus on the vision, but I, I just feel so strongly about it. It's like nothing can get in my way at this point. Wow. That sounds like, um, there's so many nuggets I like to really dissect in there because it's, there's support from people that really believe in you or people who you just met, like mentorship. I it's feel like, like the mentor in the hero's journey. Yeah. The hero's journey. Like David just showed, I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> okay. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, do that. <laughs> it's like, um, I feel like on this, on this journey, because I mean, on, 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 on the Soul Stories podcast, we talk about my own creative journey and yeah. even now I'm still finding a way to consolidate it. And I feel like we are still, we are always on a journey. It's like till death, we are, Going up, down, left, right. right. We're still figuring out a bunch of things. And in the creative journey, I feel like a lot of what allows people to create is love, even if they don't know it, in the form of, like, in David's case, could be mentorship. Jenny proposing, like, let's try this out. That's somebody who cares about you. And what I want to find out is, apart from this, you know, people who were, when I, I don't want to say paid to help you because it sounds like they were not exactly helping how much support have you received on your journey as a creative that you felt if I didn't get this person, maybe things wouldn't have worked out the way I wanted? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I, I could spend the next hour. Let's listing go on. Off yeah. The names. I think we, we always think that we can care about ourselves. There's so many people behind this whole journey. <laughs> yeah. No, there, there really is. I mean, I could talk about Chelsea, my roommate and the nights that I come home doubting and feeling afraid and not wanting to do the thing. And her just like being like, mirroring things back and working me through things like you working on the podcast, you and Queenie, just your friendship, people who show up to events and clap and support people who um, tell you how cool the thing you are is doing Tell people who tell you how it impacted them. People who um, are just your, like, I mean, it's just like hundreds. <laughs> it's hundreds. What it's about your friend. family? It's fa It's my dad who is a conservative Catholic businessman telling me wow it's like this is so cool what you found danny sending me things not really related to soul stories but thinking they are because it's like a parent trying yeah and he's like you know he's like look at this storytelling thing it it seems like it's helping this this person like you know it, it's the it's those like it's everyone giving you people giving me permission has been a really big deal for me okay I struggle with giving myself permission. Uh, same here. <laughs> yeah. It's something that Queenie always tends to remind me. It's like I, I, for a long time, I went through this period. And even now where I still feel like I need validation from my ideas. And I have to sometimes build my case for myself to believe it. It's like I need to find what's wrong, what I'm saying, so that I can believe it before somebody else pokes holes in it. Right. It's like, yeah, that's that's a pretty interesting position to be. I think there's a lot of vulnerability involved in creation to the point where it's difficult to take feedback. So I don't know how, how do you handle negative feedback in your creative process? Um, it depends on the day. No. <laughs> 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 what does a good day look like? Um, a good day is when I, when I know it's not about me. As, oh. And like, I'd say at this point, most days are like that, but there's some rough days. Yeah. Tell me about the rough days. Um, the I think the roughest, <laughs> the roughest time to get feedback, and it's like when people see a movie, and they I do this because I'm I love movies, you know, mm -hmm. and 
right after a movie, they tell you everything that was wrong with the movie or they tell you like the things they loved and then they tell you the things that, that was wrong with the movie. People witnessing what was created, the, what was created is always way less than what it took to create it, you know? And so <laughs> right after an event, when people come up to me, if people come up to me like, well, um, what did I don't think you should have done that. Or, you know, it's like something like that's like, oh my God, my nervous system's on fire because I'm so vulnerable and I feel so like exhausted. I don't want to hear your feedback right now. <laughs> and I just like, but I fake it, you know, I fake it at that point. What about during the process itself? Like not at the end of it, like uh, when you're writing, when you write, do you get editors, somebody to read, anybody to you know, proofread or something like that? Yeah. And I think it's, I think getting feedback is a process. Is It's just learning what feedback is like. Because I remember at the Unpacked event, I wrote a story. Um, I wrote or I told a story. And the first time I wrote it, I wrote most of it exactly how you heard it. And I said it after um, i i asked for feedback from two of the members of first sunday's team after a board meeting not a good time to do that we've just been talking about soul stories for two hours they don't want like they don't want to get feedback so they give feedback that i think is just like a little bogus and because i've received so much critical feedback and gone through the process of like changing and shifting the boat so much when I realize it's everybody's projection. Like feedback is just people's projection and you have to know when to get it, how to get it and who, who to get it from. And after I got that feedback, I was just like, Oh, that's not the feedback I want. That doesn't feel true to what I'm actually asking. Like they're being overly critical right now. So then I read that exact same thing in front of seven people who were also telling stories and they loved every part of it and then gave me feedback on like five or six parts that were like really specific. And I was like, that's the feedback I want. And then I reread it to those same people and they loved it, you know? <laughs> so it's like, also it's like a tricky process. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, a lot of times what I, what I used to do in the past is actually not all the things I write, I ask for feedback on. It's like, mm -hmm. like on the times when I write on Medium, like every single day, so I'll just publish and publish. My feedback would be just that people read and clapped. But there are specific pieces I've written. Like I wrote a piece on uh, death after a couple of friends had died. Like it was this whole sadness I was feeling and I really wanted feedback on that piece. Send it out to a couple of friends. And it took me like two months to publish that piece. Like I feel like there's some things that I create where I hold them closer to my heart than other things. It's like, yeah. yeah. Does that happen to you? Yeah, totally. What What was the last thing you made that you felt, you know, this is mine and I really don't want anybody to say anything bad about it? That story. Oh. Yeah, because it was just like, it was about my my process of letting go of Catholicism to be able to, like, enjoy sexual experience and have consensual experience. Yeah. I really look forward to listening to it again. I was recording all of it. and it, Yeah, it was dope. 
Yeah, I felt really good about it. <laughs> yeah, I think, and then uh, the whole part of people laughing, like the key parts, are like, "What? This is cool." <laughs> I mean, there were some points where you actually had to pause because the audience was laughing, and you had to wait for them to be done with it. I uh, honestly, yeah. like, they were laughing at parts I didn't write to be funny, <laughs> and I was like, "This is ridiculous right now. What is happening?" <laughs> oh man! So, um. I'm doing the so um thing. I keep editing all day and I hear so um and now I'm doing so um. <laughs> In your creative journey, what are some of the things that you, that people hold as truths that now you've seen as no, that's not? Like what are some of those things that people say over and over and you're kind of like, actually that's not true. That's not my experience. Like some, I mean, some broad strokes things about creativity that before you got in, before you took it, you know, as part of your personality, everybody around you said it. But now when you look at it, you don't think it's true at all. Give me an example. Say, uh, imagine, for example, that people say you have to create a routine around writing. Like, you need to wake up in the morning, set a time and um, write. Like, that's like a thing that creatives do. But you have discovered, well, that doesn't work for me and that's not really true. So, like, some some things in the, I want to say, in the creative industry that everybody says that you don't believe. It's true. Well, I think that is probably the most common thing (laughs) anybody says to anybody ever. (laughs) Um, One thing, one thing I feel like to that point, I think that's a good point to speak about, is that discipline is not the military. You know, discipline is like having a routine, showing up for it, and making sure you work at specific times like they're saying with writing. Um, And I think that has been very true for me, but like discipline also is when you need rest, take rest. And when you finish a big project, giving yourself uh, a a week to work a little less than you did that week before. And when things are really hitting deadlines to work harder then in like having some adaptability in that discipline, I think is, um, yeah, I don't think people talk about the importance of rest when they talk about the creative process. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of accountability and self-care. Yeah, self-care is way more important than people talk about. Okay. When was the last time you experienced any form of burnout? Um, I think this winter when I was doing interview podcast interviews with you, I was doing liminal interviews. Yeah. I was uh, actually unpacked interviews were happening at the same time, and I couldn't even go to those. We were preparing unpacked. We were preparing liminal. We were preparing for Sundays. We were preparing the podcast. Um, yeah. But now, now I know what burnout feels like, so burnout happens in chunks. And I know that if I give myself like a weekend of pure relaxation and play, then I'm back Monday. Cool. Um, so it's not as it's not as bad as it used to be. Okay. Well, let's talk about some play right now. I feel like uh, I owe it to you to really bring up one of your favorite movies that you recommended I watch, and I want to find out from you like favorite scenes or breakdown of what you loved about the movie making process. I think that. Almost every creative feeds from other creative work. I don't know what that is the case with you. It's like for me, the more I read, the better I write. And movies tend to inspire poems or music. Like mm-hmm. one thing inspires the other thing. So let's talk about your name. Yes. <laughs> let's talk about your name. Tell That's us it. about your name. Conway. Yeah, I think I, I watch your name. And what, is, what is your name? Your name is uh, it's an anime mm-hmm. movie by 
I don't know his name. I, I don't know him either. Yeah. I think we'll have to Google his name at some point. I might add it in the description. I don't know. But it's a movie about two lovers mm-hmm. whose bodies, whose souls are literally switching their bodies. And yeah, I like think if I... Freaky if, Friday is basic. Yeah, but I mean, Freaky Friday is just an insult to your name. Right. But um, 100%. I don't actually want to give a spoiler because I feel like the, if oh, there's one yeah, sentence, true. it just destroys everything else. I but, almost was yeah. going to do it, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think you should watch your name yeah. first. But what I want to know, apart from it's not really about the movie itself, is what in that movie stood out for you? Like, what was the the overarching theme? I know it's love. Yes, it's was it the characterization? What is the dialogue? Was it the story? What hit your face to the point where it became your favorite movie? Like, how do you get this movie to become your favorite movie? Mm. Well, I wouldn't say it's my favorite movie. Oh, it isn't. No, okay. But I would say it's in there. I didn't know Danny that it's well. It's in the top five or ten. Okay. Well, that's good enough. I would say Spirited Away might be my number one of all time. Did you watch that yet? I watched Spirited Away, and I watched some reviews, and it got me thinking about some things. I don't know if I really want to <laughs> talk about that right now, but anyway. Yeah, you'll yeah. hurt my heart <laughs> with your criticism <laughs> over there. Anyway, yeah. So um, so your name. Yeah, your name. And any other movie that you want, because I want to really talk about what feeds your creativity. I don't know. Did your name in any way inspire any work for you? Um, Your name didn't inspire work for me. Your name was a really spiritual experience for me, though. That really... Uh, reinvigorated my sense of spirituality for me how so um there's this moment where they talk about like the spirits coming out at sunset and that is a a thing i have all like there's always this thing about sunset and it's more noticeable in the summer but at sunset my body like and when i was most anxious and depressed in my life sunset was the only time where i felt relief from that and that right there was like whoa that feels like that just feels like a truth when they said when they talked about the spirits coming out in sunset so now i really do believe that there's a spiritual experience for myself that happens at sunset where i like i'm just calm i've reached that like peace for a moment wow and that that has been the biggest takeaway for me Oh, I mean, we could talk about the story and the animation and everything because yeah. it's a beautiful movie. I agree. I agree. I just wanted to point that out there. Like, you got if you've not watched Spirit uh, Spirited Away or Your Name, you need to watch it. I feel I just really have to point it out because I think it's such an amazing experience. I didn't watch it with Queenie. I was like, I need to watch this movie by myself because I don't want to share my tears. I cried in so many parts in the movie. I just couldn't. I couldn't have anybody in there with me at a particular moment. <laughs> it's a beautiful movie. <laughs> yeah, I think what what other works feed your 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 writing or your creativity in terms of maybe books music like do you write with music do you create with um i know you listen to a lot of hip-hop i listen to a lot of hip-hop yeah. i listen to a lot of folk um yes music and movies are my two inspirations for sure okay um yeah i can dive deeper into that yes please so uh, first i'll start with spirited away and what that actually has inspired my creative process because I don't know if it's true or not, but this is what I heard, and I've been taking this as truth, um, that Hayao Miyazaki created a spirited away scene by scene. Like, he the char- the, he created, um, I forget her real name, but she's Sen when she loses her name. Um, scene by scene, those decisions she made were like the next scene hadn't been created yet she made an organic decision 
and that organic decision drove the plot and so like nothing was decided until it, the end from what i heard and so that has always been my process with everything i do is like a really organic start to finish and i think that's why liminal and unpacked are seemingly similar and in execution incredibly different because every little decision is made for the integrity of that event at no point does it feel like a factory process to me hmm. yeah when you say when you put it that way i can actually see both because i was one of the liminal storytellers which is another incredible miracle that happened because we met and it's i want to say it's funny we were on stage eight storytellers was it seven eight for liminal i think it was eight eight, eight. for unpacked there were Ten. three 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 then four so three three then four yeah that was ten and there was a stage there was an audience and each person had was one one person on stage but and every single was told to tell a true story yeah true personal story exactly and every every single event was different from the other one i couldn't even compare them it's like it's like two people wearing clothes you can't say we're similar because we're wearing clothes you know right yeah it's like we're storytellers yeah we're on a stage yeah there's an audience but it's a different experience and I and wonder it, what it takes to create such an experience. Um, Hannah had the vision, right? Hannah had the vision. She said, I want to have storytellers on stage with an uh, interactive performance element, and I want people to bring art into it. Liminal was true personal stories on stage for a certain amount of time. So that little bit of difference, when you when we first put it on, was like me and Delia were even talking about like what's really the difference you know there's like some interaction there's some more art we thought we were just gonna have some poetry or music but then like as we have these two and three hour conversations over and over and over again that are involved with conflict we're like well this is what I was envisioning but this and when you do that back and forth you just build you're just building you're going up and up and up and up and you end up creating something so much it's like my my goal is always the sum is much greater than the parts you know you go to Mercury Cafe in the Denver they have some shitty parts they <laughs> they have like this air conditioner that's always playing behind stories they have like the seating's kind of weak the food is kind of gross um, but the sum of that space is like this gorgeous creative energy and the parts don't add up, you know? And I think that happens when you put thought into every single aspect of what you're trying to create. Oh, that is some masterclass right there, Danny. You should start a school or something. No. A school of creativity, a school of hard creativity. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely hard. <laughs> definitely not a masterclass. Take that off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a way for you actually forget about the way like younger listeners right people who might think that they don't have a creative bone or who might be thinking you know just juggling with the idea of creativity who don't have access to jenny or david or like the kind of people that you've been able to be lucky and blessed to have around you what would you if you had to be like the auditory mentor for this next couple of moments what would you tell them um I would say just do the thing. Do the thing that you're thinking about. Does that make sense? 
and I mean, it sounds like be yourself. It sounds like, uh, you know, have faith. It, it, you know, it's like not even that. Like literally just do that thing. Okay. If they tell me, well, I want to write a book. So start writing. If you hate it, throw it away. <laughs> okay. I don't like this book. If you want to write a poem, write a poem. Okay. I hate it. You know, do the thing until that thing feels right. Don't do the thing till the thing looks right or is successful compared to your favorite people, but do the thing till it feels right. Okay. Well, like for me, I like to draw and I like to write poetry. No, I didn't know you liked to draw. Yeah, but I don't, sh- I don't share that. I don't re- like, I don't consider that a thing I want to do for the world. But I know I love event hosting. I know I love bringing people together. I know I love listening and listening to art and creating space. And I want to do that in the world. And that feels right to do that in the world. But it doesn't feel right to draw in the world, you know. So I won't do that. Okay. Have you ever had to give up something? I mean, any projects you've had to put a lid on and actually say, you know what, I could do this, but I'm not going to do it? Um, Not creatively. I think traveling has been something i've had to sacrifice tell me about that um i i i have a lot of friends who have traveled all over the world but you did travel i mean on chelsea's on when when i was listening to chelsea's i I was editing and listening you and chelsea probably met during the brazil what was it again so i went to i went to brazil for a program to work with youth Mm -hmm. for two summers in a row okay um but, I mean, my friends have traveled to 29 countries. You know, Like, Chelsea's traveled to 29 countries. I have friends who have been all over the world. Brett travels. One of my best friends, uh, Brett Randall, a musician and writer in Denver, He's he, he travels three to four months a summer. Um, so I've witnessed my friends, like, run laps and circles around me in traveling. And part of my heart, le- like, aches a little bit and go, oh, that's what I want. But I was just talking to my good friend Kate about this actually, and she was like, "She's now doing that." Like she, she told me, she's like, "I really want to create something like you're doing, Danny." But right now, it just feels right for me to travel to the Northwest. She wants to travel to the Northwest and then to Japan. She wants to like really just engage in this thing. And she's like, and I, I was telling her, I was like, you know, it makes me a little jealous. Like I almost wish I could go on that adventure. <laughs> yeah. Like you could, but in my commitment to creating an organization, I can't at this point. I am going to travel, but I'm not like this year. I'm going to travel a couple times, but not to the extent I like, not to that adventure that I really want eventually. And so we kind of were like, maybe we're just on these parallel processes where like eventually she'll settle down, create something. And eventually once soul stories has legs, then I'll go on like a nine month adventure, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it almost got me thinking about um, this book I was reading called Subtle Av- The Subtle Act of Not Giving a Fuck that um, Femi recommended I read. And I'm not done reading the book yet, but I was thinking about the overarching you know, message of the book is really about the fact that we need to embrace suffering. And when I think of suffering, the way I look at life and joy, it's like life is basically overcoming suffering to get joy. And so when you talk about oh, hey, I want this thing that you already have, but it looks like you want this thing that I have. It's like we are always having to overcome something to get what we want. And it's like a constant cycle of going through the motions of 
sacrificing things. I don't know. Is this sacrifice? Is it compromise? Negotiating. Negotiating like, all right, right now I can't do this thing, but I can do this thing. And it's like being in a relationship. When you're single, you're oh, I wish I was in a relationship. But then when you're in a relationship, you're like, oh, I wish I was single. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like this thing of, all right, what do I really want right now? And what am right. I willing to give up or offer to get what I want? And and I think the thing, yeah. if I, you don't mind that, I interrupt. No, it's okay. And in, in that is, and I think the hardest part about creating something in that is like, you, it's like when you're in a relationship, you always want to be single. When you're single, you want to... When you're writing something, you always wish it was a little better. When you're creating something, you always wish it was a little better. You always wish this, this, and this. And I think you can't really create until you accept that that's always going to be the case. Yeah. You know? Yep. Somebody, uh, a musician just said that I was listening to a thing. It's like, the song I hear in my head is never the song I play. It's always better in my head than what I play. And that was really interesting to, to hear. Yeah, that, that reminds me of, um, I don't know if you've watched a TED Talk by uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, the create, something about the creative genius of Augustine. It was this really, it is this really powerful TED Talk. She basically talks about creativity and the whole idea of a genius and how much pressure the world and has put on one person making this work of art and then the whole world judging them on this one yes. piece of art. Because she wrote Eat, Love, Pray. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, can you believe that your best work is actually behind you now? Like, imagine, like, you've, yeah. you're done. <laughs> you right. would never write anything that surpasses this book or this piece of art. Or imagine you make an event and then somebody tells you, like, I don't think you ever do anything that beats that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually am afraid of that. <laughs> I haven't really come to terms with that thought. Yeah. And in, 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 the, in, the, in the TED Talk, she actually breaks down like the whole idea of how the word genius evolved, where it left from people realizing that, you know, the muse and genius was something that comes to you. Like you have genius, you aren't. You can have a moment of inspiration where you connect deeply and you create this work of art, but you are not that moment. Oh. Like you are not a genius. You're, yeah. you're just a vessel. You're inspired. The you genius do. to come through. Exactly. Like, I, I don't know who gave the quote, something about so inspiration, something inspiration comes in the morning or afternoon but it always meets you at work like it should meet you basically sitting down and ready like you don't have to wait yeah for inspiration to do what you do which is a lot of what i need to understand myself because as a creative I feel like sometimes i want to be inspired before i do anything like i'm going through this slump and i'm like oh i need to wait for the right words the right moment like you know the, the song in my head to show up yeah but sometimes you just need to write a song and then you know fix it or it sucks and then you write it. another one yeah you know and i'm thinking are there any songs in your mind that you're thinking of forward like when i'm when i say song i mean like projects you know soul story is taking such a huge part of, a, of your life i'm wondering if you have other things that you're working on that are not soul stories but still creative uh, <laughs> no not really um okay. i got invited uh to be to help throw uh, a fake wedding that is supposed to be this how does that happen (laughs) it's like a performance okay it's like uh it's gonna be like a theater piece was Um, it chelsea no it's my friend will um but actually i'm kind of excited to break into that world a little bit because i think i i think something i think i don't have you know i don't have a ton of creativity i would (laughs) i would say but something that I'm really good at is being with a partner and riffing. Like I'm not really a creative isolationist. I'm really like a partner collaborator and 
riffing for really cool ideas on how to create these experiences for people. So I'm actually really excited to get invited by some uh, influencers in Denver to start creating cool events alongside them. You know, because one of my biggest inspirations, uh, Bonnie Vare. Do you know Bonnie Vare? No, who's that? He is a. I don't know if you describe him as a folk artist, but he's like a folk art. I, I'd folk artist in America. Oh, I think I've, I used to pronounce the name as Bon Iver. Bon, so. bon Iver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and well, it, I think it's French. Don't you speak French? I speak French, but I have no clue. Like I don't know who it is. Good. And, yeah. Good I've, I've seen it. Bon Iver. I've seen. Oh yeah, Bon Iver. Yes, it's uh, Bon Iver. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he, Justin Vernon the man behind Bon Iver is in like seven different bands and he's always creating with other people. And you can always see how his own personal work just levels up because he is always working with others. And that's a big inspiration of mine. And also why everything at soul stories is co-created because I think if it was just coming from me, it would be limited as fuck. Sometimes I feel like that well ran dry a few years ago. <laughs> I don't about the well. I feel like you know, I've gone through this period of intense creativity and then having nothing to create and I it goes back to the beginning what you said about discipline, like, which is not military, it's like a routine. Mm-hmm. And you can't give what you don't have, I feel. It's like you can only dissect what you collect like in the whole world. Like you, you don't you don't have to read or watch movies, but when you look at the world with creativity, when you look at the world with curiosity and creativity, it's like almost every single conversation can become a source of a project. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel so when you say the world the world has run dry, it's one of those things that people easily and I mean not you, because you you're already doing what you're doing, people always easily use it as an excuse. It's like, uh, I'm waiting for inspiration, I don't have anything, or I've written this one thing. Like I had this friend, thank you for reminding me who wrote the piece and she was trying to get me to read this piece by all costs. It was like one thing she wrote down four months ago on medium. And I, she pointed out to me that have you, Hey, have you read my piece? I was like, Nope. And she asked me why, because she always, she reads my work and she always comments and everything. And I felt terrible. I was like, this supporter is doing all this thing and I'm not reaching out. Like, why is this working out? But then I realized that the reason why I didn't read it was because it wasn't enough to measure with. It was like, you've written one piece and what do I compare that with? I can't see your progress. I can't see anything uh, else. There's nothing yeah. else. It's like I don't have the impulse to actually check it out because it's, there's not much to deal with. And I don't know if that's an excuse that we give ourselves, waiting for inspiration, waiting for the right moment. Yeah. How does that – do you ever find yourself in a position where you feel like you need to wait for an answer or for the music in your head to play? I used to for many years. That's how I operated. And – I think what shifted was my vision got bigger. Mm. And when my vision got bigger, I realized that there were a lot more tasks. And that's what I think the thing is about, like if you really want to create for a career or even like an active side project, it's not just creating, it's networking, it's marketing, it's these menial logistical tasks and like these really annoying things you have to do taxes yeah exactly yeah taxes it's 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 like recording your hours it's whatever you want it's whatever like boosts it's like whatever goes around it's the garnishes to the entree you know Mm. and so 
now that there's so much to be done that I don't have time to wait for the creative process. I'm just, I, I'm going to, okay, tonight I got to send this email. I got to connect with this person. I got to get this logo. I got to collaborate with this person, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not, I'm not even like thinking about what I, I just know that at this time, this thing needs to get done. And so then I think when it's like, I got to meet with Delia, we're planning now how to make liminal an online platform. And that is a really creative space. And so the meeting was two days ago at six o'clock or whenever it was. And then inspiration showed up because that's what it was on my calendar. (laughs) (laughs) You schedule inspiration. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's like the most honorable kind of way to create was like, well, I got to do what I got to do. It is what it is. (laughs) It's, um, and if it doesn't work that time, it may work the next meeting. Yeah. I feel like almost everybody has to go through this either personally or learn from books, mentors that you need to be able to create because it's something that you do, not because something that you, you know, love is great. Exactly. Yeah. Love, inspiration, desire, emotions. They are great. Like you can tap into that, but you have to do the work. Like Stephen Pressfield says, I don't know if you've read uh, do the work or turning pro. He's one of those writers who makes you realize that this whole journey of creativity, it's about, you you know, like writer's block. Right. People say they have writer's block, but why don't doctors have doctor's block? If you go to the hospital, <laughs> right? <and laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I don't feel like I can prescribe today. You know, just some other time. Right. And that's from Elizabeth that's Gilbert. A really like, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you <Doctors> know. <laughs> so what I what I want to find out now is you're in a relationship, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm dating. Ooh. I wouldn't. I, you know, don't don't get me too far. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um. In your life as a creative work and everything, but, you know, tending towards creativity, how has creativity that helped or hurt your relationships? Oh, my God. Um, Well, it has, I think, what was different, I was living in a co-op last year, and I was always relationships first and relationships are like my number one value but i was so obsessed with tending to relationships that i was tending to a lot of relationships and all the right ones and some ones that like weren't probably not the best fits for me um and then my creative process took a backseat and I wasn't disciplined like I am now. Like, you know, that speech I just gave sounds like I'm on a pedestal, <laughs> but that's very, that's a really recent occurrence. And so when I shifted, I moved out of the co-op so I could focus on soul stories. And once soul stories became my main focus, it actually allowed me to, keep the right relationships around me like I feel like now I'm with the people who are supportive of me and I'm supportive of them and like people aren't draining me and I'm not like forcing myself to be friends or like seek validation um now I feel like I have I'm in I'm in the circles that really fill me up and the circles that challenge me you know and I still have that sense of loyalty because like fuck off to anybody who says like if it's not serving me let it go you know <laughs> yeah. like like there's loyalty we have there's still a sense of loyalty i could go on the rant about that anyways okay well i have four questions for rapid fire which could probably seal into 
independent conversations with themselves because yeah, yeah. oh my god i could talk to you forever <laughs> about this i think this is a great conversation thanks great content for our podcast too. all right so first question is when was the last time you experienced flow you know what flow is mm-hmm. you know like yeah i mean you're creative you know what flow is yeah uh sitting down with delia to plan the to plan no the last time was just recording these intros with you to podcast felt like we were really in a good flow just an hour ago okay cool and when was the last time you cried last time i cried um probably a month ago really yeah i've been i cry a lot after movies and i watch a lot of movies okay so the last time you watched a movie was long time was a month ago no a good like one of those movies that makes you cry yeah it i know was, what you mean yeah if you had one movie to rewatch for the rest of your life which movie would you choose oh i already said spirited away so i'm not going to talk about that i'll say dazed and confused hmm. i need to watch that now favorite fictional character goku <laughs> from dragon ball z all right and then now my last and favorite question is favorite video game character Oh, um, on not the not the video game I played the most, but favorite video game character would probably be Link from Legend of Zelda. Hmm. Okay. Played well, it probably the least of any video game, but still my favorite character. Yeah, I don't think I played much of Zelda. Like, I didn't. Mm-mm. Yeah, I was more high grade Sup McTavish of Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two, but it's cool. Modern Warfare Two is a great game. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, Danny. Um. I feel like I've gone in so many different areas and I tried as much as possible not to say things that people will listen to because I feel like you talked about a lot about yourself on Dave's podcast, you talked a lot about yourself or a lot of bunch of things on Mike's podcast and, you know, who cares? And even on the Soul Story, somehow your story still finds a way to come out. And I really just wanted to Make focus... Make me on sound like a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> it's... You're talking. Like, you can't not talk about what is true to you. And I'll... This is moment for you to either say something that you feel I've missed on your journey. Probably a question I didn't ask about this your creative path. Something I've missed on No, I yeah, have missed. Yeah. Something you missed on my journey. Yeah. Because um, I, I know that I'll put the links to actually your your episodes because I don't want this to be just a rehash of everybody the other person's podcast. It's not Yeah, um, totally. that's not my goal. Yeah. Um something you haven't heard. Yeah. Ooh, something you haven't heard. that has been you know impactful like i i want to be able to listen to this and pick up nuggets like the things that you've said like you know just do it and find a way to collaborate and you know be disciplined it's not military there's a bunch of nuggets that are spread out here that i really feel that can help somebody who's starting up on yeah. a creative journey and i really want this to be somewhere that people can come and realize that being a creative doesn't have to be all pain and negativity and sacrificing your personal life you know to build a creative like you don't have to no I live on the streets personal life yeah i'm yeah. very very happy with my personal life yeah i think it's that's a core message of the podcast like can you be happy and creative and live a full you know life yeah yeah i mean i feel what's the secret danny <laughs> uh, the secret is um actually i was just thinking about this um I don't think this is something you haven't heard, but I think it's important. Um, whatever habits or thoughts or cycles 
are in your way for living life to the best expression of yourself because we all know what holds us back. Deal with those first because the creative process, your passion, your relationships, nothing is going to save you from that. That is a journey you have to find a way through and take responsibility for that because nothing outside of yourself will get you past yourself. Only you can do that. That is some Yoda stuff, Danny. <laughs> get past your journeys. You must <laughs> find your truth. You have to. <laughs> oh man, you said it better than I do. <laughs> Thank you so much, Danny. Um, I mean, I still look back to the day we met and it's still a miracle to me. We'll have to move out of Pueblo, but I told you I'll have to return like at least twice a month for us to work on soul stories and other things. And I'll just like to say on the record here that I'm really grateful for the day we met at Open Mic. That was that was a really one in a lifetime opportunity for us to click and then get all these things done. And ever since it's been up from there. So oh, thank man. you. I've I've grown so much from being in relationship with you, dude. This has been awesome. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. All right. Uh, if there's anything else you want to say, this is it. Just you know, say it. Kamga is the motherfucking man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> then, yeah, that that was it. I mean, I'm going to record an outro. Don't worry about this. You know, I'm the editor. I do things. Yeah, that's not my job. <laughs> I just say things and look pretty. I'm keeping that. <laughs> <laughs> I am keeping that. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Danny. Thank you for sticking with us till the very end of the episode. I'm sure you can hear how much fun we had on this particular one. It's almost every single time I spend time with Danny. It always ends up this way. Making jokes, talking about movies and books and stuff. And things still come out. Ideas on how to do better and projects. The whole Soul Stories podcast, how we ended up working was really just because of how we connected. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, if there was a part of the episode that you liked or didn't like, I would love for you to leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you're listening to this and share, share the episode with somebody, maybe you have a brother, a sibling, a friend who wants to be a creative, who is wondering what it takes to be a creative. Just share this episode or any part of the episode that you thought you really enjoyed. I would really love to get your feedback so that I can improve and then find better guests. So I keep saying so. Have a great day and thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this. I am your host, Kamgachasa, signing off until the next time we meet again on the podcast. So remember, the schedule for the podcast is Mondays and Thursdays. I'm still figuring out a time that works, but soon enough, you'll have a very specific time you can get the episodes. But you can subscribe everywhere. And if you don't have this podcast on any of your preferred platforms, let me know and I will fix that. You have a great day. Remember, you are made to create, made to love and made to thrive.